This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, I know for some of you it's much more real this morning. This is better than being the best hospital off Southern California. We got a couple people got out, got to come and be a part of this this morning, and I know how great that is to be here. Definitely better than the best jail <laughs> or the rehab center or wherever it is. It's so good. It's so good to be in a place where there's the presence of God. You know, I, I I just praise the Lord to have a nice place to be. Good good praise and worship. Good Bible and everything like that. But you know what? That's worthless without the anointing of God, without the presence of God. Anybody can read a Bible, but it's so good to have the one that wrote the Bible to show up to back it up. Amen. Anybody can sing songs, but it's so good when you can sing to the one that created everything. And he shows up to bless what's going on through the words of the song. Amen. So I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for the hearts of the people that come in, that have a heart for God, that want more of God. I want to be able to take it out and not be selfish to share people with what we got. You know, I was uh, kind of joking with uh, Katie Brady a while ago. She gave me one of those cards we got. How many have seen those cards, the little Easter cards to give out to people and buy them? Well, she gave me a card. And she said, she said, hey, what about you to our Easter service? And I said, so anyway, I, I put on... Sometimes I play act things to help, you know, just do things. And she said, I said, Easter service. I said, I'm a Christian. I said, that offends me. I said, we have resurrection services. And she said, well, I, I, I don't know how to handle that. I said, well, for relig- if you talk to a religious person, that's not going to respond to you. But then you tell them. We as believers know it's resurrection. The world doesn't know it. They call it Easter. And so this is the bait. You say Easter so they learn about the resurrection. Hey, man, we know what it really is, don't we? It's about the resurrection of Jesus, but the world celebrates the Easter Bunny. So praise the Lord, we can use Easter Bunnies to catch lost people, to get them in so they can learn about the true meaning of what it's all about. Amen? And so praise God, don't get offended if somebody sometimes says, well, we don't do this, we don't do that. Well, of course they don't. They don't know all about it yet. And we don't either. But we're learning more all the time. And so invite everybody you can to come here next week for sure, because like Pastor Dave said last week, there's a couple times of the year that I know that I've found out over a lot of years of being a pastor that it's easy to get people to come to church. One day is Resurrection Day, and another day is Mother's Day. Mother's Day's coming up, and I'll tell you what, when those kids, those husbands, those people say, hey, what can we get you? Say, I don't want anything, just come to church with me that day. Come into church that day. And get them in the presence of God and let God deal with it. Amen. Because our whole thing is about getting people to heaven. And getting more of heaven into people that we can. Now, how many people uh, need an outline today, a sermon outline? If you need one, raise your hand. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Sermon outline's coming. And I want to show you some books that, that kind of go in line with what we're going to talk about today. Uh, here's, here's a great book that's helped me over the years called What to Do When Faith Seems Weak and Victory Lost. Faith Seems Weak and Victory Lost. Has anybody ever been there? I've been there lots of times. Lots of times and lots of times I've been there because so many times as believers, 
we, we, we tend to walk more by feelings and not by faith. But once you learn the Word of God and how spiritual things work, then you, you learn that it wouldn't be faith if you had it. It's called faith because you need it and you're trying to get it. And so then if you've got it, you don't need faith because there it is. But on the way there, sometimes you don't feel like you're healed. You don't feel like you're going to have enough money to pay those bills. You don't feel like your children are going to come around to the plan of God. You don't feel like your job's going to change how it needs to change. Well, that's when you need faith. So what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost? Excellent, excellent book. Matter of fact, uh, I think one of the greatest inventions on the Internet today is YouTube to pull up the old faith teachers. I've been listening to Brother Hagin the last couple of days teach this book when he first preached it years and years and years ago that they made it into a book. But it's so good to hear somebody expound and teach on these things we talk about, the ones that God originally gave some things to that really get it out there. It really helps. And then here's another really good one, turning hopeless situations around. Turning hopeless situations around. Luke one thirty seven, the Word of God says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, whatever you're going through, you're not the only one. Lots of other people going through it too, but God's the one that's faithful. God's the one that'll show you the way to get the other side of what you're doing. And there's one of our little devotions called uh, Daily Devotions for Spring. It's bite-side little nuggets of just most of them, three or four little paragraphs with the Bible verse or two that pertains to some subject that helps you healing, marriages, uh, financial things. Deliverance, victory. In other words, lots of little things that you can read in the morning time. Just spend five minutes reading this and just looking at it. Help get your day jump started. Because as much as we like to spend a bunch of time in the Word of God, we all do. But with the business of life, getting ready for work and get the kids out the door, and all you do sometimes, you don't have two hours to read the Word. Yes? I, I have to tell the people this. Okay. Years ago, when we first came here, we had Daryl Copes come and minister here. How many remember that? Okay, you were here when Daryl was here. Daryl used to play on the Rama Singers and Band where uh, Pastor Dave and Katie went to college, Brother Hagen's Bible College. This tie, this tie was born by, worn by Brother Hagen. You've never known that before, but I want to tell you that today. <laughs> this tie was born, worn by Brother Hagen. And when he got tired of his ties, he'd give them to the Ramah Singers and Band. So Daryl gave Pastor this tie that was born by Brother Hagen, so it's super anointed. And this little jewel that he's got right there. Custom made for the Ramah Singers. It was, it was custom made for the Ramah Singers that's, and that's Band. Brother and, Hagen wore. <laughs> and he gave that to him. So yeah. I just thought you might yeah, want to know cool. that. We got a piece of Brother Hagen here today. Hallelujah. Hey, man. Hey, man. I'll I, I, I tell you just. For me personally, I believe the Bible. How about you? And Paul, the apostle, Acts chapter 19, says, laid hands on handkerchiefs and aprons, and anointing went into that cloth. And so nearly every time I put this tie on, it's not magic. We don't believe in magic. But I say, Lord, I want to thank you. There's a residue of that anointing here because Brother Aiken had this. And just like Paul had uh, anointed, he put it into cloth and people got it. They got healed, got delivered. Things happened. I say, Lord, I want to thank you. That anointing is working in me. There's things happening to me. And then I'll tell you one that's even beyond that. In, 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 the, in Second Kings, it says when Elisha died, he was buried. There's much anointing in his bones that there was a war going on years later. And a man fell to that tomb. And the anointing of God raised the guy from the dead because the anointing left that man's bones. And so 
that's talking about the presence of God. And there's nothing more valuable than the presence of God. Tap into the anointing of God. It'll turn anything around your life. You need change. Because the anointing of God is the presence of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, how many have a Bible this morning? Or something that has a Bible in it? I know things change. Well, if you've got a Bible, hold your Bible up. Amen. Sometimes we need to talk about what we really have in our hands. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy, written Word of God. Jesus is the living Word. God gave me the Bible to reveal to me the living Word. Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. I am who my Bible says I am. I can have everything, absolutely everything that my Bible says I can have. And I can do everything my Bible says I can do. Now lay hands on your head and say, mind, you're not going to wonder. You're not going to daydream. You're not going to try to figure it out. Now lay hands on your heart and say, heart, you're where Jesus lives. I'm going to hear him today. I'm going to believe him today. We're going to tell the head, shut up. Heart, you're going to lead. And we're going to win. Amen. Now give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this look look the title of your message here. And one day last week, as I was driving up First Avenue, coming towards the church, I heard the Lord say very clearly to me, life is fragile, handled with prayer. Life is fragile, handled with prayer. And I'm sure that's some nice little saying, somebody somewhere I read sometime. I don't know when I would have read it, but I'm sure I've seen it somewhere. Because Anyway, when I, when I got that, I knew that's what the Lord wanted me to teach on this morning, was how to pray and be effective in your praying. And so I, I, I sat on that. For a few days, just prayed about it because I know there's so many directions I can go and teach it on prayer. I've been you know, teaching on it for 35 years or longer. been teaching on prayer. so many different ways I can teach it, but I knew that God has a specific way He wanted to present it today to help people to be able to get victory in life. That's why those books we talk about turning hopeless situations around, what to do when uh, your faith's weak and seems like victory's lost. So I want to teach today from the perspective that everybody in this church is a prayer champion. You can pray as good as Joyce Myers. Amen. You're as righteous as Kenneth Copeland or Gloria Copeland. Whoever your favorite, in your eyes, faith giant preacher, man or woman is, you've got just as so much as they've got if you use it. Amen. I'm going to show you that to the Word of God. But life is fragile, handled with prayer. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And as I begin to write some notes down about this, I got to thinking about when I was a teamster truck driver. I was telling somebody the other day the thrill that was for, don't tell anybody, I'm not as old as, old as uh, some of my stories sound, but I drove 18 wheelers for 28 years. Had been preaching for a lot of been preaching for a lot of years, and I, I joke sometimes and say I've got more miles in reverse than eighteen wheeler than a lot of these drivers today have going forward. 
But that, that was so, that was so fun driving those big trucks and making them wrap around the buildings and do things I did to get them where they need to go. But as I was thinking about this message here and thinking about the things I delivered, I delivered everything on 18 wheeler you can imagine. I delivered to military places. I delivered to schools. I delivered to homes, warehouses, factories, lots. I mean, everything imaginable I delivered at some point in time over trucks. But I remember when I was a truck driver, some of the packages and boxes I delivered were marked in bold letters, contents fragile, handle with care. Contents fragile, handle with care. And that meant what was inside was breakable. It might have been glass or maybe even a big case of eggs. You know, whatever it was, you couldn't just toss them around and throw them around. Some things we could throw around because they were full of steel parts and things. didn't make any difference. But some things were fragile. And so, in thinking about what the Lord's got us talking about today, living in this world we live in, life is very fragile. Yours is. Mine is. Our families, the things that people are going through today. Some people sitting in this church today might be at the place in life where you feel like one more little twist, like tied a rubber band up, one more little twist, and it's going to break. One more little, all it's going to take is one more thing just to push me over the edge. edge. I can't go any further. And, you know, it can be family things, job things, financial things, healing things. I mean, there's so many different things this could apply to. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of fragile people around at some points in time, even some of the stronger ones in the church, we go through some fragile things with that. We can't, just can't take anymore. I don't know how much more we can take. Well, we're going to show you how your prayers can get it turned around so you can keep on going and going and going and going. Amen. And so we've got some inside information for you. Some inside the Bible information. Inside the Bible information and if we will actually read it and do what it says to do, then we can get our lives turned around. We get our families out of the messes they're in, and we can turn some of the people that seem like they're right about to give up on everything become faith giants and become great, great influencers for the kingdom of God. And so I want to look at this story here, Mark chapter 5. And by the way, I'm not going to read the whole story, but the whole story starts in verse 25 and goes all the way to verse 34. And what this is about, this woman had what we call female problems. She had, she had serious issues with things going on. And she went to doctors for 12 years. As she ran out of money, she was bankrupt. And going to all the doctors, the doctors did all they could do. And I'm sure they were good doctors. You know, that's one thing we gotta, we got to realize is people that believe in Jesus the healer. That doctors believe in getting people healed, too. They use medical things. If they're faith doctors, they ought to use prayer mixed with the things they do. But doctors are not your enemies. Doctors are your friends. They want to help you, too. But the real help always comes from Jesus. And so this woman went to these doctors for 12 years, went everywhere. And, you know, they didn't have the Internet and things. But today, be if she did, then she'd be Internet and everything, Googling everything, trying to get everything she could get. But she got worse and worse and worse and worse. She was in a very fragile condition. And so she was broke. She was sicker all the time. And ver- verse 34 is what I want to look at. Because this, this is where we're going to be building our sermon from. And I want you to get this. This was just a regular woman, like any of you ladies here. Or if there's a man involved that was sick. It's like anybody that's sick. Going through all, all you go through. 
As this woman finally got a hold of the right things, and Jesus, verse 34, said to her, Daughter, thy faith, your faith, lady, your faith, not the preacher's faith, not Jesus' faith, said, Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Be whole of thy disease. And so he told this woman that it was her faith. Her life was very fragile, but her faith. And I want to say this, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If this regular person, this true story, this lady that went through this impossible thing, you think you're a little bit frail and fragile after 12 years of bleeding? After 12 years of trying to get help and crying out? And how many here... Have you ever been going through tough times and somebody told you something and your hopes went from zero up to about a thousand, man? thought, this is it. And you got there, you spent the money, you invested the time, and you found out this wasn't it. And you went right back down to the bottom. So you were charging ahead and then, this is it. And you got there, you spent the money, spent the time and all the stuff you did, and this wasn't it. This is it. For 12 years, she heard, this is going to do it this time. This is sure going to do it. That didn't happen. And so after 12 years, I think she was probably to the point where she thought, what's the use? You know, I might as well give up, might as well quit. But then, as you read this story here, she heard about Jesus. And so three things you'll see she, see she did. I'm not teaching this passage right here. Three things that was the clue to where we got down here where he said, your faith. Number one she heard of the living word. And so you, whatever's gone in your life, to get to this place here, you've got to hear what God has to say about your situation. And then the second thing she did, she began to say out of her mouth, I'm going to get to Jesus, and when I get to Jesus, I'm getting healed, I'm getting the answer. So she heard, as she said with words out of her mouth, and when you're praying, what are you doing? You're saying. You're saying, you're praying what the Bible says, hopefully, because when you pray what the Bible says, you do get answers. And so, and then the third thing she did, she heard where the answer was, it was in Jesus. And as we said a while ago, the written word reveals the living word. The written word tells us the will of Jesus. And so she heard it, she said it, and then she did it. She actually went through the crowd, and back at this point in time, it was a real serious thing, just like it is in the Middle East, even in Israel, you know, a God nation, women were still considered second-class citizens. They had to keep their faces covered. They couldn't mix with the men in public. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, when they started, Paul said the women got to keep silent in the churches, because that was still the culture there. So, so that woman had that going against her. She wasn't supposed to be in the crowd where the men were, and then also... They considered that uh, bleeding disease she had to be in the same category as a leper. And lepers couldn't mix with people because they were contagious. So they thought the women were contagious, too, with that disease. And so she had to, she had to get that opposition, be in that society for 12 years. People knew who this lady was. This is the lady that's running around sick. She's sick. Stay away from her. And so to get to Jesus, she couldn't just like walk into a church service and say, I heard about this church. I heard people get healed. I couldn't get prayed. She had to go through that crowd there where those men possibly could have stoned her because she is a woman mixing with them. 
They possibly could have stoned her because she wasn't hollered out, unclean, unclean. And so she had obstacles to face. And so she, in spite of the obstacles, she came to where the power was. And when she got there, then Jesus said this, said, your faith, said, your faith, you heard, you said, and you acted on what you believed. Your faith made you whole. He said, go in peace before thy plague. And so anyway, her life was fragile. And the word whole, right here, you notice in that verse twice, the word whole here comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Anybody ever heard Jewish people say shalom? Well, I'll tell you, that's a big word in Jewish society even today. Well, that word, that word whole comes from shalom. And what that basically means is nothing broken, nothing missing. That's why when Jewish people greet each other, uh, a lot of times they'll say shalom. That means the blessing of God on you, nothing broken, nothing missing. So when Jesus said that your faith has gave you shalom, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. You have nothing broken, nothing missing. And so this means not only was her health restored, but also her finances. Because he said nothing broken, nothing missing. And so I want to teach you today how to pray and get answers, no matter what your present circumstances. If you pray at the right spiritual attitude, in line with the Bible, Jesus will give you shalom. Jesus will turn your life around. Whether there's healing things you need, financial things you need, family restoration, deliverance from alcohol, drugs, or any other evil thing, Jesus wants your faith to make you whole. And so we're going to teach you today how to pray and know you're going to get answers from God. How many here pray? It ought to be 100%. Even sinners pray. They cry out to God. And, you know, even if they don't know what else to do, they say, oh, God. And they don't know it, but they're hollering out to him when they say, oh, God. They're hollering out. And so people are praying people, but we want to be praying people that get answers to our prayers. Amen. You know, one simple definition of prayer is having a conversation with God. And so I know that, uh, I know like me and Mrs. Pastor, uh, we live together 24-7, basically. We work together 24-7. Got church, we got office and stuff in the house where we do our stuff, got church stuff. We're together all the time, but when we have a conversation, if I do all the talking and don't get her input, it's one-sided. Or if she does all the talking, never stops here, I got to say it's one-sided. And so in having a conversation with God, if you want answers, there has to come a point in time you quit doing all the talking. Where you stop, and basically how he's going to talk to you is through what he already has written in the, word, in the Word of God. That's where you get your information at, is the Word of God. And so to have a conversation with God, I don't think he's opposed to coffee. Because I have my best ones in the morning time, and i got my journal out, my Bible out, and my coffee right there. Now, if I drank two pots of coffee right there, he might not like that, because my body wouldn't like it. But you do things in moderation. And so, in having a conversation with God, it's really nice to have a quiet place, have a Bible open, and have your mouth just open long enough just to converse a little bit. And then he said, the Psalms, be still, and know that I am God. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked in the book of Exodus that God kept find out that he was a still, small voice on the inside of you. A still, small voice. And so, 
That's, that's one definition of prayer. But I want to look at some prayer things here in life, what we're talking about today, about life is fragile, handled with prayer. Look at James chapter 5. <clears throat> James chapter 5. And the thing that God wants to accomplish today, I'll say it again, He wants everybody in here to have confidence in your own prayers. He wants you to be confident that your prayers get answered. And, you know, I, I, heard, I heard somebody say years ago something like this. Why well, don't feel like my prayers went any higher than the ceiling? How high do you want them to go? He lives on the inside of you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, we talk all the time about, well, God's in heaven. He is in heaven. But the Holy Spirit's down here. And the Holy Spirit's the one that represents God on the earth. And so you don't have to feel that your prayers went very high. We're not God, and we're not saying anything at all sacrilegious like that. But how many here believe the Holy Spirit lives in you? And so we are praying up to the God in heaven, but the Holy Spirit in us is what does the answers. That should have helped somebody right there. Amen. And so James chapter 5, verse 13 says this, Is any among you afflicted? What do you do if you're afflicted to say? Oh, I got a modern translation. If I can get 10,000 likes on Facebook, I know God heard me. Is any among him? Now listen to this. I want to step on some sacred cows. Is any among you afflicted? Let them call their pray in grandma's church, put us on the prayer tree. I don't even find any prayer trees in the Bible. The only trees I found in the Bible is the cross Jesus hung on. The Bible calls it the tree. He got hung on, he got hung on the tree. He got hung on the cross. Oh, how about this one here? Is any among you afflicted? Let them call that praying church and put them on the prayer chain. Only thing I see about chains in the Bible is they represented bondage and God wanted to break them. <laughs> I told you today, we're getting inside information inside the Bible. We don't see the chains. We don't see the trees. It says, if anybody's afflicted, let them find the most spiritual person they know. No. It says, let him pray. Let her pray. It says, if you're married, uh, then sing songs. Well, you ought to be singing and praising God all the time anyway. But anyway, afflicted here means, very simply, is anybody among you going through a hard time? Anybody among you, in other words, talk about the congregation you're looking at right there. Is anybody in the church, in other words, is anybody in this church today going through a hard time? That's what he said. Well, I've got some inside information for you from God then. God said pray. Amen. And so uh, I'm thinking about what the Lord told me about life is fragile, handled with prayer. Well, when I, when I drove these trucks for all those years... I couldn't count the thousands and thousands and thousands of warehouses, factories, military places, and other places I went all those years there. But here's one thing I found out about it, just as, just as a center truck driver. You know, sometimes centers don't care about other people's stuff too much. They just want to get the paycheck. You guys, does anybody here work with centers? Or maybe some carnal Christians? They don't care about excellence all the way there for one thing. They just want to make sure they stay around there long enough to keep getting that paycheck. Well, if I had a package on my truck that was addressed to my mother, and it said, fragile, handle with care, 
I would handle that package a whole lot more cautious than I would somebody else's package because this was somebody special to me. Or if I had something that was going to be coming to my own house that I knew was mine, my big, big screen TV or something, I would gently handle that because I thought, man, I know I don't want my TV. I want this thing taken care of. And so I would take care of my own family, my own stuff, even with more care than I would somebody else's stuff. And so this verse says, let him pray. I have more compassion with my prayers for my family than I do for other families, to be honest with you. I love every family in this church. But if somebody in my family is in more trouble, i got more care and prayer for my family than I do your family. I want to pray for your family, but nobody has more compassion for my family than I do. And so in looking at your life, God said, if you're in trouble, you pray. You know more, more about you than anybody else does. You have more of a desire to see victory in your life than anybody else does. And so I'm talking about what the Bible says. And I know that I know that for me personally, because I've learned how to pray over the years, I very seldom ever for years and years have had to have anybody pray for me. That's not pride. That's confidence in what I've learned. I've got confidence in my praying. Very seldom do I ever, ever, ever ask my wife to pray for me. Haven't had to for years because she's confident in her prayers from the Word of God. I'm confident in my prayers. We're confident. So we don't have to ask other people. So we found out the Bible works, that we can pray effectively to get the job done. And so in my life, I'm kind of personal about things to go through sometimes. I, I, I just don't share them. I don't tell them because I know that I know how to get the answer. And that's what God's talking about here, that you should know how to get answers to your prayers. And so, if you're going through a hard time, the best person to pray for you is you. Is you. When you learn how to pray based upon the Bible, you will have confidence in your prayers. Now, I want you to look at verse 14 to 16, though, so we don't, uh, you know, twist the word. It says, then... Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And so, it's right to have other people pray for you sometimes, too. God wants you, if you go through our time, to pray. But at the same time, God tells you it's also scriptural to have others pray for you at certain times. You call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing of all in the name of the Lord. Now, look at this here, because I think people need to hear this. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Or the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The anointing oil is not magic. The anointing oil has no healing in it. He says the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And so the thing is, the anointing oil is a point of contact. That's a point of contact. That's a form of laying on of hands, except you're using the anointing of oil. But he didn't say, and the anointing oil shall heal the sick. He said the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. It's not the elders that heal the sick. But the Bible's presuming that if somebody's got the point in life, they're a spiritual elder, elder, God's called them to be a spiritual elder. They've learned some things about the Word of God. They've learned some things about the world of the Spirit. They've learned some things about the name of Jesus. And when they pray, they're not praying maybe. They're praying in the name of Jesus. You're healed. Amen. And so it's totally scriptural. It's totally scriptural sometimes to have other people pray for you, to have people anoint you. 
But it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. And then notice also, the Lord shall raise him up. If you commit his sins, they shall be forgiven him. Sometimes people need some help to get over the hump with things that try to hold them back and draw them back. And so it's very scriptural. It's very scriptural for other people to pray for you. Then also, uh, verse 16, he says, confess your faults, your sins, your slips is what that means. Your sins, your shortcomings sometimes, one to another. And you've got to be cautious who you talk about. But sometimes you've got somebody you know is not, not Sister Bucketmouth. Amen. Or Mr. Gossip. You don't want to tell them your business. But, you know, it's really, it really is nice to have somebody that's mature enough that's a spiritual friend you can have for a prayer partner. Somebody you can say, I'm struggling with this. I've fought it, and I've fought it, and I've fought it, and I've fought it. Will you help me with this? Pray with this with me. Help me get over this. And you know the way your tells not be on Facebook the next day. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. But he says we're supposed to confess some things one to another. And, I want, and you know, I want to say again, that's not, that's, I've, I've seen religion twist so many things. That's not to get out in front of, in front of, in front of, in front of a bunch of people in men's Bible study and say, you know what? I'm a pervert. And I do perverted things. Keep your little boys away from me because I'm a pervert. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when you're with somebody that you can trust and you're having trouble overcoming something, be able to talk to them and say, hey, you know what? I need some help. I'm struggling with alcohol. Or I'm, I'm struggling with cussing again. Or something come back on, you need to be able to say, you know what? Help me. Pray for me. It says, and pray one for another that you may be healed. And so we need sometimes to be able to hook up with people and say, guys, let's pray for each other. We're going to have a prayer time pray together. And then verse 16, notice what he says. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to read that in the Amplified Bible. And it says it this way. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And so, uh, today, Jesus wants you to learn to have confidence in your praying. To have confidence in your praying. Remember, he said, if you're afflicted, if you're going through a hard time, said, you need to pray. And then he tells you right here that when a righteous person prays, tremendous power is made available. Dynamic is working. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. And so, when a righteous person prays, God's mighty power will turn the most... Impossible situation around. And you know, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about a story I read in a book years and years and years ago. How many know at one point in time our country had a horrible thing called the Civil War? We had a, we had a very, very ugly thing called slavery. And it was really, really, really bad. People sold other human beings and things like that. Well, anyway, I heard this story that some, some, somewhere down south they were having an auction. And this mom and her girl were there. They were slaves. And they had them being there. And so then they took this beautiful little girl away from the mom and put her up on the auction block up there to auction this little girl. And so people started bidding, and there just so happened to be a United States senator there. And his son was standing there with him. 
And while this starts, the mama looks up to heaven, and in her heart she prayed, said, Jesus, that's my little girl, and said, Lord, if I could help you now, like you could help me now, you know I'd do it. Well, about that time, that little boy starts jerking on his dad's arm. Daddy, 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 bid, bid, I want that girl, I want that girl, daddy, bid. And so that United States Senators started bidding, and he bought that little girl. And so they walked the little girl down and gave her to the dad and gave this paper to the dad. This, he's the owner of this little girl. And so the dad gave it to the son. And so the son took it and signed it and walked over to the mom and said, here's your girl. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, God will move mountains when a righteous person prays. Amen. Well, how was she a righteous person? I'm going to show you. Amen. How many would call that a fragile situation? Impossible situation. Amen. And so when a righteous person prays, God's power becomes available to turn the situation around. God will touch whoever he has to touch to get your miracle to you. And so some people are thinking, how can I find a person that can pray like that lady could pray? How can I find a person that was good enough to be a righteous person in God's eyes? So what does it mean to be righteous? Righteous simply means in right standing with God. Somebody that's in right standing with God where there's no blockages. There's no hindrances. God's holding nothing against them. And back again to what I was a teamster truck driver, I had to pay union dues. And when I got my union receipt back on the dues, it said, member in good standing. Member. Does anybody here pay union dues? Do they still say member in good standing when you pay them? Well, you know, I was thinking this morning, just, this, this doesn't mean anything about anything. I was just thinking this morning about times that when I got in the union back in the 60s, my union dues were $5 a month. Well, I thought that was highway robbery, but I sure liked the benefits. And I remember by the time I got back out of the union back in the early 90s, they were up to $26 a month. They're probably a lot higher than that now. But anyway, what I found out, one of the benefits of that was this. When I got laid off from a job, and I needed a job at another trucking company, when I walked through the door, the union started wanted to see if I was in good standing. I showed my receipt. I was in good standing. They said, open the door and start working again. So that was a good thing to be in good standing. And so the thing is, we as Christians, the dues have been paid for our guilt. Jesus already paid the penalty. Jesus paid the price. And when we become born again, we become in good standing with God. Because Jesus paid for us. And so that makes us a righteous person. So we're going to look at that in the Bible in some detail and see how this looks at the Word of God. To be in right standing. The Bible's good news. And you need to see the inside information. And it needs to become real to you. Now listen closely to what I'm saying. It needs to become real to you that Jesus already paid your dues. You're in right standing with God. You don't have to prove anything to Him to be right with Him. Jesus already did it. Jesus is right with God. And so look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're talking along the lines that if you're going through a hard time, 
there's no better person to pray for you than you. If your family's going through a hard time, there's no better person to get answers to prayer for your family than you. Somebody said, well, I sure don't feel like that, Pastor. What your feelings got to do with it? It's called faith. Feelings can make you or break you. Hey, man, sometimes feelings are good. Sometimes feelings are not good. But you know what I found out about feelings? The time I felt the least is the time I had the most. Did anybody ever see that poem, Footprints in the Sand? Have you ever looked back on your life where you felt like there was one set of prints and you realized there was only one because he carried me through that? You look back and thought, there's no way I could have got through that without God. But when you got through that, somebody asked you, well, how do you feel? You probably had to say, I feel like God's a million miles away because that's how it felt. But when you keep on going by faith, whether you feel it or not, that's when you're really walking in faith. Because you're walking in faith, he's right there, he's got you picked up, lifted up, carry you right on through it, and it feels like nothing. But later on, you give your testimony, you look back, you see the hand of God in every phase. You see the hand of God in everything that happened. I think about Pastor Dave. This is kind of cool, this is a freshman. I really, really, really like this one. I love this kind of stuff. How many know that God cares about every little thing of your life? You know, it may seem little, but if it's big to you, it's big to God. Uh, the lovely hat lady came back from Massachusetts after a long day flying airplanes to Washington, D.C. and everywhere to get here through the snowstorms, lightning storms, praise God. Like we taught Wednesday night, she got to the other side. She got to the other side coming here. And so we went up very late Thursday night, pick her up at the airport, and uh, I asked Pastor Dave if he'd drive, and I'd ride shotgun. So we went to get her. We took my SUV. He had his keys to his SUV on a lanyard around his neck. In my SUV, going to Las Vegas. So we got up there. We stopped and got a snack at a hamburger place on the way back. He had his lanyard with his keys on around his neck. So we get back to Barstow. He needs to go at his house, and his keys are nowhere to be found. Something happened. And so, like the little slave lady, Jesus, if I could help you like you helped me, you know I would. And so, he prayed, we prayed, searched everywhere, searched high, searched low, and I did what I learned to do years ago. I said, Satan, take your hands off those keys in the name of Jesus, they don't belong to you. I said, angels, go forth and get those keys, put them right where we can see them. So, next day, he says, Dad, drive your SUV over to my house, I want to look at it again, see if my keys are in there. Searched it again. <laughs> so later on that day, he comes past, and he's using Katie's keys to drive his SUV. They're driving down the 15 to 70 miles an hour. And he hears something making a clanking noise, looks on his hood, and those keys are on his hood up there plopping around. <laughs> Could that be any more plain than that, of God answer that impossible prayer? And, you know, I think when he's doing that, I had compassion more than I would if one of you lost your keys. I mean, I wouldn't like it if you lost your keys. But that's my son. And so I put myself in his shoes when I was praying for him that night in the morning time. I put myself in his shoes. Wow, that for me. And I've got my house keys on there. i got my car keys on there. i got my church keys on there. And I don't know what else. I thought, man, that would concern me. I could replace them all. But whole lot rather just get my own keys back. And so what I'm saying, that was fragile. And I can handle that with prayer more for him than I would if I prayed for you. You know, if I prayed for you, I'd pray. 
with my son. My heart was in it more. I prayed, and I'm thinking about that impossible situation. Can you imagine going out of the 15 and keys on a lanyard thing, laying on your hood, bouncing around, and not going anywhere? I think, I think that an angel came up there, sat down on there. Somebody said, well, pastor would have to run at 80 to, the, 80 to break the law to the angels leave. Well, I know at 70 they're still there. <laughs> Put that up there and held on to that till he can pull off the road and get his keys. Hey, man, give the Lord a hand. I think that's a pretty big deal. Hey, man, 2 Corinthians 5.17 <clears throat> says this, good news. It says, therefore, if any man or woman, this is talking about human, be in Christ, that means born again, he's a new cre- creature, brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new, and all things are of God. And so how many of you know that when you ask Jesus to forgive you, come into your heart, you became brand new on the inside? Brand new on the inside. On the inside, you're remade brand new. But you must renew your mind to see yourself how God sees you. You've got to see yourself how God sees you. You can't see that former alcoholic. You can't see that, 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 that for, former dopey or whatever else you used to be. You can't see that anymore. That's the outside package. You may still have battle scars of that old life on the outside, but on the inside, you're new. You're brand new on the inside. You know, I was joking with Heidi. Where's, where's Heidi at? Heidi. She's invisible. I was joking with Heidi. Well, we got one right here in the front row, too. I don't want to embarrass my daughter-in-law, but she's got a little right there. And that's not because she eats a lot of pancakes. But there's, there's, there's a little thing, there's a little, little, little thing in her belly called a baby. Heidi's got two little boys in her belly called two babies. And so the thing is, those little babies in the womb are brand new creatures. They're brand new creations of God inside the mama's womb. And when they come out, as the little babies are totally innocent, totally brand new, they have no experience with life, wouldn't it be a terrible thing to have that baby a month old sit up here and say, yeah, I know about that baby's past. Man, I'll tell you the things this has done. I know the family tree right here. That baby is up to no good. That's a terrible thing, that little baby there. You can't trust that baby as far as you can throw him. That's how far you can trust him. So that baby is. Well, I'll tell you what. When I got born again back on January 29, 1980, my outside was still the same guy. And I had people in my family that didn't know what we know here as Christians. I had people I worked that didn't know what we know. They still thought I was the same one. And so when I started acting different on the outside, because what I was on the inside, after a while I proved myself that I knew I wasn't the same one. And then people got to looking at me and recognizing that that's not the same person. That's a new life begun. But on the outside, if I saw people today that didn't know me yet, that I've been born again, like I ran into a guy years ago, even after I was pastor in California, been preaching for 25 years and all the different things. But back then, Dad, running this old truck driver friend, didn't know, know me since I'd gotten saved. He wanted to start telling girl jokes with me and talking about beer and stuff. 
I said, man, I don't do that anymore. He looked at me and said, what? Did you get religion or something? I said, no, I got born again. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is this. You must see yourself like that new baby. You are not who you used to be. You're a brand new person on the inside. Amen. Amen. And so I will guarantee you, the guy that lives in this body right here will not stab you in the back. The one that used to live here, man, you don't know what you what he'd do to you. The guy that lives inside of here is not going to get high or get loaded or cuss you out. But the guy that used to live in this earth suit, he would do all those things. Anything he'd get by with, he'd steal from you, he'd cheat, he'd lie. This is just my earth suit. I live it here. The guy used to live it here, he died. There's a new person here. I'm a brand new creature. I'm a new person. You can never, ever, 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 ever see yourself getting prayers answered if you think you're the same one you used to be. Because you're relying upon your goodness. It's not your goodness. It's His goodness. Amen. So I want you to look down at verse 21. You've got to renew your mind to see that. Verse 21 then says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Jesus knew no sin, so we can be made the righteousness, a righteous person, a righteousness of God in him. And so Jesus is right with God. And now, because Jesus is in you, you're right with God. Your debt has been paid. You're free from sin. You're not the same one you used to be. The Living Bible says, For God took the sinless Christ and poured him our sins, and in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. God took all the sin, all the ugly, all the mean, all the crook, all the whatever you were out of you. He poured it into Jesus. And when Jesus went, Father, to you, I commend my spirit. It is finished. That's because he took all the sins of every human being that would ever be born in this world. He took them. And then all the goodness he had, he poured into you. He poured into me. We've got that righteousness in us. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. You are that righteous person. Jesus made you that way. Let me say this. You don't need a special feeling. It's a Bible fact. You're righteous. You don't need a special feeling. It's a Bible fact. You're righteous. If you're born again, you're a righteous person. And your prayers make tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Why you look at Titus chapter 3, verse 5? Titus chapter 3, verse 5. I want you to get this because I know what's going to happen. There's going to be some of you tonight, about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden you're going to wake up and go, Woohoo! I see it! Hey, man, it's going to dawn on you. It's going to dawn on you. You've been dependent upon you and how good you are to think something's going to happen good in your life. And you got your eyes off of Jesus and how good he is. He already made it happen. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, says this. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. That by the washing of regeneration and renewing 
of the Holy Ghost. And so we can't attain to a special level of righteousness by how good we are. Righteousness is not something you grow into. It's an absolute instantaneous thing that happens in our spirit the moment we ask Jesus to our heart. It happens in an atomic second. As soon as you're made brand new, you're made righteous. Just like Jesus is righteous. That's why he said in James chapter 5 verse 13, if you're afflicted, you pray. And then he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You bring the power of God on the scene because you're a righteous person because of Jesus in you. Don't let yourself or the devil talk you out of what God's done in you. God has made you righteous. How many think that Billy Graham's a really righteous person, still a really righteous person? He's no more righteous than what you are. Amen. Now, holy might be a different thing. 1 Peter 2.24, listen to this. We know it ends by saying, by whose stripes you were healed. It also says, 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus took our sins. And then he says, we should live unto righteousness. So we have righteous on the inside. But when you let the outside start lining up, then that's called holiness. And so the more you live right, the more holy you're living. But holiness and righteousness should not be confused. You don't get your prayers answered because you're so holy. You get your prayers answered because you're righteous. And because you're righteous, you want to live holy. What's it mean to live holy? You start living more and more in line with the Word of God, which lines up with what you are. Righteous people get their prayers answered. But we're all wanting more and more every day to live more holy. That means not to be religious people. But to live more like the Bible says, live every day, every day, every day. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Praise God. I think about First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. He said, touch not the unclean thing and live holy, because I'm holy. But holy and righteous are different. You've got to get that. Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, Titus 3, 5 says, not by what you do, but it's by what he did. And so, I want to say it one more time. If you're born again, son or daughter of God, you're just as righteous on the inside as Jesus is righteous, because you have his righteousness. You have what he had. He gave it to you. He took what you were, and he nailed it to the cross. And so, the most anointed preacher of the world you've ever looked up to, could be you, because you are a righteous person. Life is fragile. You can handle it with prayer. Your prayers will get God on the scene for your family and for your life. Amen. I will say it one more time. The Lord gave me that title for today. Life is fragile. Handle it with prayer. Don't post it on Facebook. Oh, we got to get up and just get to the altar because I could get real ugly on that real quick. Quit posting your family's troubles on Facebook. Start taking the problems in your life to the Father in the name of Jesus in prayer. When you take them to the Father in prayer, it'll change. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information, visit hdwc.org.